welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 4, Episode 18, Renegade. The original air date for this episode was May 8th, 1989. It was directed by Michael Caffey, and it was written by Chris Haddock and Robert Bielek. Um, Chris Haddock, we had write the previous two Dana Elkhart directed episodes. Right, right. So he's a good one. Um, and Robert Bialik is not related to Mayim Bialik. <laughs> <laughs> Their names are spelled and pronounced differently. <laughs> but Say, like do our... you think this Homer Nixon is of any relation? <laughs> I doubt it, sir. They spell and pronounce their names differently. <laughs> um, this is Robert Bialik, Bialak's only MacGyver. Uh, he wrote 13 episodes of Hercules and a bunch of one-offs of other different series. Uh, Hercules, the Kevin Sorbo? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I like him already. Yeah. So why don't we discuss this episode in brief? Um, in this episode, a former Navy SEAL steals a deadly strain of anthrax to sell, and MacGyver's got to stop him. He also seems to be suffering from some sort of post-traumatic situation. Me- mental. Yeah. They're, 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 we'll get into it, but there's, yeah, yeah. there's some stuff going on with this episode. Right. So we start uh, in the car again, mm-hmm. as so many of these episodes do. <laughs> yeah. It's. It, I guess this is like MacGyver's on his way somewhere. Right. In this case, he happens to be on its way to the Phoenix Labs mm-hmm. relatively late at night. Yeah. Um, it also seems very reminiscent of a Kill Zone type of lab. Right. Like yeah. they rebuilt the Kill Zone lab. Yeah. It, it actually might be the same set. Because uh, the elevator car looked the same. Yeah. Like the, the way the wheels and stuff are. Of course, maybe in the 80s, the elevators all look the same. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, Mac enters and has like a little bit of a banter with the security guard who Making fun of the eccentric Dr. Cos, Dr. Yeah, Cosby. Dr. Cosby. With a K and a Z. <laughs> right. Is it with a K? It is with a K. It's with a K and a Z, yeah. Um, who Dr. Cosby in this episode is is played by Stephen First. Yeah. Okay. Who I guess most people would know from Babylon 5, which yeah. I haven't really seen. That well, I, I mean, uh, I would say Animal House more than okay. anything. Yeah, yeah. But it said a special appearance by Stephen First, so he must have been, because the scene elsewhere was on by now. Right. And, and he was on St. Elsewhere. And, uh, but yeah, I think, I think Animal House is probably, as his, his character of Flounder was probably the more famous yeah. thing that he had done. Um, Babylon 5, also very big. Yeah, he was Veer Cotto or yeah. Cotto. And, uh, but I always loved the Dream Team with him, uh, Peter Boyle. Is Michael Keaton in that? Uh, no, no. Uh, it's, it's Stephen, yeah, no, you're, you're, yes, Michael Keaton is in that. Duh. He, he's he's the Jack Nicholson flew over the cuckoo's nest character, so it's it's Michael Keaton, Stephen First, Christopher Lloyd, and Peter Boyle. I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah, they're all like mental patients. I've, I just have the cover box in my head, and I think yeah, the yeah. cover box was just Michael Keaton. Yeah, but the, but they're all they're all four of the main characters. Sure, it's basically one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But if it was a comedy, and it's just about their adventure leaving the, the hospital. Oh, you know what? I have seen that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that that sounds familiar. Yeah, Peter, and Stephen First is playing like the Danny DeVito. Yeah, exactly. It, and then Christopher Lloyd is playing the Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. He's playing, and and Peter Boyle believes himself to be Jesus. Okay, yes, yes, uh, I do remember that. Yeah. I might have watched that with you actually. Oh really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a silly movie, but um, but you know, I always think of Stephen First. From that. Right. But yeah, oh, so is it Stephen First is like obsessed with baseball or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're off. They're That's where they're going to, to a baseball, baseball game. game. Right. Okay. Um. Which again, very flew over the cuckoo's nest. Aren't they 
isn't Jack Nicholson pretending to watch baseball on the TV and getting them all right? Yeah, up? He, ha- he like starts doing like color commentary Quit. because yeah. they can't watch the game. Like, yeah. one guy voted against it or was incapable of voting, so they didn't count it. Yeah, because Nurse Ratchet like rigged the election. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Nurse Ratchet. Uh, but yeah, Stephen First, he's a cool guy. He does a lot of voice acting. I'm, yeah. I'm playing him up because I actually like he's one of the more, my more favorite actors that we've seen. And on he's the show. fun in this. Mm-hmm. I wish he had more stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, so as MacGyver pulls up and exits his Jeep, another person exits his Jeep, Cape Fear style. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, I, the, by the way, I I've, was going to mention before, this Dr. Cosby character would have been like uh, uh, Josh Gad now. Oh, totally. Yeah, if totally they were going to do this episode. But yeah, so MacGyver shows up and then we see someone's following him. Yeah. Uh, he climbs out from underneath MacGyver's car, um, completely underneath. Like, it wasn't like he was hanging. He was, like, up in the interiors of the car somehow. Right, yeah. And uh, so he climbs down and then grapples up onto the roof. And he's, like, very much dressed as, like, a ninja. Yeah. Which, at first I was like, is this a woman then? Yeah, it's, because... it's almost always a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's someone that's dressed up so much that you can't see their face. Uh, and there's really no reason to hide his face because we don't know this character. Exactly. Um, I guess he's just doing it to be covert. Yeah. Um, I just Pete, call him a ninja in my notes up until he's revealed. Yeah, that, that's how I have him as too. Um, it's it's sometimes it's really scary how similar yeah. our, our <laughs> observations are. Um, but as he gets to the roof, he starts s- touching his temple and yeah, like having some kind of a migraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, like, he takes a moment to like, kind of deal with that. Uh, we go inside the lab where Pete is also there, apparently. Yeah, they both are here to meet with Cosby because they both got word from him that he needed to speak to them about something. Right. Um, <laughs> and it's and about they don't Bud. think anything suspicious about the fact that when they both show up, he doesn't have any idea why they're there. and he, There must have been some mix-up. Yeah. Uh, this is, all seems very, very unusual. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the ninja kind of makes his way into the elevator shaft and starts working his way down into like the main facility. Yeah. It bothers me though. The implication is that, uh, somehow this ninja was able to make a fake appointment Mm -hmm. so that he could ride in on the elevator. Right. With them. But there's so many people at work. Like, couldn't he have taken the elevator all day? Like, yeah, he could have at any time. There's no reason that he needed to, to make a fake appointment for MacGyver. Like that's just adding, problems like yeah especially to set up an appointment with both macgyver and pete seems like total overkill yeah unless you're trying to get caught and and also like the moment you realize that wait a minute i didn't make an appointment you didn't make an appointment this seems suspicious for this top secret lab where we're dealing with very dangerous items yeah there needs to be some kind of security in place we need to figure out what's and they going never on. address like who the mole is that made this appointment for him yeah yeah, so it's, it's all a very kind of a weak setup. Yeah. But but um, either way, he rides the elevator down. And, and he's got a lab coat with him st- stashed in his um, ninja garb. Yeah. And he puts on some glasses, too, to like to like totally play it up. He has now since removed his ninja hood, by the way. Right, yeah. <laughs> he's not the ninja scientist. Yeah. Everyone just kind of goes, oh, okay. And the, the actor here, now that we see his face, is Marshall Teague, um, who we will learn his name is Steve Morrison. Yeah, Steve and uh, he will come back to play Logan and MacGyver's women later. 
Those are just like manly names. Steve, yeah. Logan. Marshall Teague. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now we meet uh, Dr. Cosby, a.k.a. Cos, as, you know, played by Stephen First. And he's confused that they're there, but he's super excited to talk to them about anthrax. Right. Because who doesn't like talking about anthrax? And I have to imagine this is pretty early in, like, the public discussion of anthrax. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember when I first heard about it, but I think this is definitely before I knew what anthrax was. Yeah, yeah. And I, is it, am I crazy? I thought anthrax was initially just, like, an animal thing. It Like, it only affected animals. And then it was discovered that it can affect people. Or they developed a new strain called manthrax. <laughs> manthrax. Because anthrax was for animals. <laughs> for ants. <laughs> anthrax. Anthrax. was <laughs> <laughs> originally like a pesticide that yeah. you use in your house. And then it started killing people. Uh, so, uh, you know, our Steve, uh, our uh, well, uh, yet identif- unidentified as Steve, but we're yeah. telling you that his name is Steve. Um he makes his way into the lab, and uh, Steve manages to get himself a hazmat suit, and he has since changed into it. So now he's even kind of more discreet, because you really can, all you can see now is his face, and most people don't pay attention. Yeah. So I just like that he puts on glasses. Like, yeah, like I just oh, want okay. to make sure I look like I belong in a lab. Let right, me put glasses. My glasses on. <laughs> no, glasses make people very uncomfortable. They just yeah. kind of go, oh, oh god. Keep them from looking at my terrible face. <laughs> they look into your soul. <laughs> glasses are like the windows to your eyes. <laughs> because they're behind glass. Because <laughs> they are literal windows. Uh, so Kaz tells Pete and Mac that uh, he has a way of detecting anthrax. Yeah, I thought he air. was going to be like, I found a really powerful cure or like mm-hmm. safeguard against anthrax attacks but no it's just a way to determine like oh you're dying of anthrax like yeah. we can figure it out faster mm-hmm. before your face starts to bleed yeah um but um he needs like the money he had for r&d he spent just on the r, on the r. yeah that, so he doesn't have any way of like mass producing this system he just yeah. developed it uh and so he's basically he's basically panhandling for money from pete and the yeah. foundation uh, meanwhile, Steve makes his way into the viral lab uh, with his hazmat suit and grabs a, a vial. He that, goes through that laser room that blasts off the outer layer of skin. Yeah, but he's in a hazmat he's suit. He's in a hazmat suit, so it just it slowly ruins the suit every time <laughs> you go in there. One layer of the hazmat suit is, is removed. Gone, yeah. He's, he just unzips it, and there's another hazmat suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he grabs a, a vial of anthrax labeled like extremely v- virulent, virulent. Yeah. Is, is I think the virulent, virulent strain. I'm, I'm not probably. Virulent. <laughs> Cerulean blue. Uh, a virulent. Virulent. Is that how you say it? I, I'm so I bad with says. vocabulary. <laughs> uh, uh, did, did it did it say on the label that it was the virulent strain? Yeah. Or I because I for some reason I thought he just happened to take the virulent one oh. because then. As he's turning around to leave, suddenly the computer decides to notice. Right. Well, it must have been tagged some kind of way. Yeah. Like, but as he's walking out the door, suddenly the alarms start to go off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, this anthrax has been taken out of the environment mm-hmm. that it's supposed to be in. And well, it's just like... Going, in, yeah. Like in Killzone. In Killzone. Yeah. Like going it, into emergency shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the other scientists notices that... 
number 37 or whatever is yeah. gone. And that's when Cosby's the one who mentions, like, oh, that's the most virulent strain. Yeah. Like, oh, no, this is terrible. That's the worst one he could have taken. Yeah. They're all bad, but that is, like, the worst. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. They're all anthrax. <laughs> it's all really not good. Nothing for... we have down here should be worked on in a lab. There should really be another key. None of these doors need keys to open. <laughs> you just yeah. walk and they open automatically. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe the hazmat suit doors shouldn't open automatically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, 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 no. It should be like a button you have to push yeah. or something that someone's monitoring your entry and yeah. exit. There should be a key card involved. <laughs> uh, so uh, another scientist notices that... Uh, that Steve is trying to pry open the elevator doors, and he's all, he's all kind of like, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, we're hey, under what lockdown. are you doing? we got to do roll call first. And mm-hmm. he's like, and not the, at all concerned about the guy who's like clawing yeah. for his life <laughs> at the elevator doors. Let me out of here. And he basically chokeslams this guy to the ground. Yeah, oh man. He just picks him up, hand around his throat, and just slams him onto the floor of the lab and knocks him out. Yeah, he gives him like, like the karate chop to the back of the head. Yeah. Knockout punch. Uh and then, uh, luckily, he had that line still in the elevator, so he starts kind of climbing his way up. Yeah, because he's able to pry the doors back open. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pete, Mac, and Kaz find the knocked-out scientist, and he says, oh, yeah, some guy was trying to get in the elevator shaft, and I think he got away. Yeah. So they, Pete and Mac get into the elevator, and they realize they, he must have gone up. And MacGyver can see the rope that he came down on mm-hmm. just barely getting tucked yeah, up getting out of the top, out so the he knows the guy just left. Uh, but the elevator's been disabled. Right. And so basically, again, redoing what he did from Killzone, he, he shorts only the elevator. Only this one works a lot better. Because yeah. last time it would only go up like a few inches at a time. Yeah, he had to like boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Um, well, no, it is kind of the same thing because the button only went up an inch, but he tricked, he had to short out the thing to, to keep it, make it seem like the button was being pushed like 100 times yeah. a second. Maybe this is something he came up with after last time. He's yeah, like, just in no, case. No, it would have gone faster if I had just held down like my knife. To just connect the circuit. Yeah, just, it would have just stayed going up the whole time. Um, so MacGyver gets to the roof, um, but the guy just totally gives himself away at this point. He, he could have Didn't he also away. hotwire the elevator in Hell Week? Um, he tr- well, yeah, he, he said he had to hotwire the elevator to go down and not come back up. Oh, okay. That's what it was then. But it's just Because like, they put the bomb in the elevator. Yeah. That's right. It's like... It's not going to come back up unless you call it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the elevator just doesn't work anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but now Steve just totally just says, oh, hey, MacGyver, it's me, Steve. Yeah, just and, gives away who he is. Completely defeats the purpose of dressing up like a ninja the whole yeah, time. Yeah, because now you have what's called a lead yeah. to follow. Yeah. You, you could have gotten away clean. Right. But now you people know who you are, and they have means of tracking you down. And he uses this awesome weapon. A it's rocket like, piton yeah, thing? Yeah, it's like a... He fires this grappling hook across the street into a post, but it's got, like, a transparency on it with mm-hmm. a crosshair so that he can see exactly where he's firing it. Yeah. It looks like on, like, like American, American Gladiators. Gladiators. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they would have that giant thing, and he would, like, watch where they were going to fire their rocket to uh, try and take out the Gladiator. That was my favorite event. And, like, because they, they cycled the events on American Gladiator, so they always they didn't always do the same ones. But I felt a little tinge of that in a later episode that we'll get to. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, 
Halloween nights. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a little bit of an American Gladiator feel, specifically that one contest. Right, right. But that was always, like, one of my favorite ones. Yeah, because it, it's, like, because you have to, like, I mean, you don't have any practice. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, honestly, as a kid, I was like, oh, you suck. How can you not hit that? I was like, <laughs> well, you don't know how, how, what kind of arc this weapon has. You're never, you've never fired it before in mm-hmm. your life. Um, and you'll get one shot. With each of them, and it's a different one every time. Mm-hmm. And they're shooting tennis balls at you. Yeah, like full speed. Freaking laces up there in her in her skimpy gladiator outfit, firing <laughs> tennis balls at you. <laughs> yes, I do remember American Gladiator names. Of course, that's our next podcast. Uh, so yeah, so Steve zip lines away, and when uh, MacGyver tries to follow, he cuts the rope, and then hops on a train. So then MacGyver's just left dangling from the yeah, side of the exactly. building. So we just don't come back to that. To yeah, explain. it's just like four days later. Is someone gonna get me down, <laughs> guys? Uh, so they find out that uh, Steve was taken out of uh, operational status yeah, and he was Maga- honorably discharged. Yeah, but uh, but first, but first he was put on non-operational, which right, yeah, which is like MacGyver like gets really upset. Is like, well, that's as good as death to these Navy SEALs. Yeah. Um, and uh, Cons tells Mac and Pete that the, the, the vial of anthrax that was taken wasn't designed to be, like, transported. Yeah, it's not properly packed. Yeah. Like, usually we see, like, uh, i trying to remember when they, what, oh, in, in, oh, in Kill Zone, when he puts the, the, the strain from the satellite into this, like, pressurized container. Right. That's um, how you would transport it outside of a lab. Mm-hmm. But right now it's only sealed for lab conditions. Yeah. So any atmospheric change could cause it to rupture. Right. And this particular strain has a fatality rate of 80% if untreated. Yeah, if untreated. Right. Which uh, is like, I didn't realize that it was actually that safe. Like, mm-hmm. I thought anthrax was like 100% if not treated. Yeah, yeah. But Especially, you, can, you can be exposed to anthrax and you have a 1 in 5 chance of not dying without any treatment. Without any treatment, yeah. I'm impressed. Uh. Even for a virulent strain. Virulent. <laughs> virulent, guys. Virulent. 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 Bluish purple. <laughs> You're looking very virulent today. <laughs> um, Steve calls in. Uh, I, I can't even really tell where Steve is at this point, but he calls in. I think he's just at his house. Yeah. He calls into an airstrip and just basically just gives them, like, this restaurant. 3 p.m., be there, and kind yeah. of just hangs up the phone. Yeah, and the villains are answering this phone from, like, an airplane hangar in, mm-hmm. like, presumably another country. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they seem to have foreign accents. I don't know if they're supposed to be in America or what. I'm sure they're supposed to be Germans and um, that they're just hiding out. Yeah. Uh, and then after they hang up, the bad guy's basically just like, okay, well, as soon as we get this from him, we don't need it again, so yeah, we'll, we'll just kill him. We'll just kill him. Right after. Uh, MacGyver and Pete meet with uh, uh, Steve Morrison's former CO commander Hilliard. Right. And every time I saw the subtitles, I want to say, "Is it Hilliard?" No, it's it's Hilliard. Hilliard. And Hilliard is played by Don Stroud, um, who played the sheriff uh, Bill Sharp in Django yeah, Unchained. When uh, he's like, "All right, send the sheriff out here," and then he shoots the sheriff. Yeah. And he's like, "All right, send the deputy out yeah, here." Yeah. So now, now get the marshal. <laughs> oh yeah, the marshal. He's like, yeah. "Get the sheriff." Not the marshal. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also played uh, Randy Hatchett on Briscoe. I don't remember that character. Randy Hatchett. But, God, I um, love Briscoe. Uh, he'll come back as Jerry Klug 
in uh, 615 High Control. Hmm. He played one of the henchmen, Heller, in License to Kill. Okay, okay. Which always bothers me because it's spelled wrong, License to Kill. Because it's spelled the British way of license without oh, an S in it. okay. Um, he also bought me pants once. <laughs> what? Is that weird? Don Stroud bought me pants once. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. You gotta go into that. I'm not gonna explain that any further. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he bought me pants before I existed. What? What? He was a friend of my mom's. Really? Yeah. Oh he my was, God. Uh, he was married to a fellow flight attendant. My mom was a flight attendant with American Airlines, and he was married to a fellow flight attendant. And uh, he came to the baby shower when I was <laughs> when I was uh, in the still in utero. And uh, he got me jeans that you could wear over diapers that apparently my mom said I wore for, like, my entire, like, first still, year of being alive. I'm still alive. wearing them now. I'm, I am currently wearing them. They they don't look so great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, because uh, my mom mostly flew to New York and, and uh, Hawaii, and he is from Hawaii and God, had a, a long, house in Hawaii. That's so, a long run. Yeah, so she, she would go to Hawaii all the time uh, for, like, they would have parties at their house and stuff and so she she know she knew don pretty well so yeah. i'm actually going to try and get a hold of him uh for the podcast yeah if we, please if we can to talk to him a, a little bit about this episode or about his other episode and you know other st- cool stuff that he's mm-hmm. worked on james bond movies and quentin tarantino and get another get another Django actor yeah in there. and just to thank him for the pants <laughs> by the way I never, I never thanked you for those pants i didn't exist yet so i hope you'll forgive me <laughs> he's waiting for that thank you note <laughs> Uh, he just crosses me off of his like hit list, like Steve Buscemi <laughs> and Billy Madison. Sure, glad I called that guy. <laughs> uh, so Commander Hilliard is telling them that he. Well, first of all, okay. So let me let me set up the scene here. They're in some kind of indoor training facility, right? Where there's just like men being trained on like cargo nets and rope swings and doing mock combat and stuff yeah. in the background. But Hilliard says, I can't tell you anything about this. It's classified. And he's like, Pete's all, well, we have clearance. Okay, I'm going to talk very loudly and tell you everything you need to yeah. know in this room. Even though no of- one else has clearance. Yeah. It's like, why are you saying go into another room? Even if you went into a room that doesn't have a roof. Yeah, like- go into another <laughs> unceilinged room like at the Challenger Club. <laughs> uh yeah, so he says that Morrison became unstable after taking a bomb to the face. Yeah, and um, then immediately Steve calls. <laughs> like, Steve calls the desk that's right next to them. Yeah, like, yeah, the PA comes in on the, on the uh, and a voice comes on on the PA and says, by the way, Captain Hillary, Commander Hillary. You have a call from Steve Morrison right now. He's calling you right now to tell you what's going on. Um, And so uh, MacGyver and Hilliard go to where... Uh, uh, where Steve lures them for a meeting. Yeah, he says he says that he needs to speak with Hilliard privately mm-hmm. at his home, and yeah. so um, MacGyver tags along, which is good news for Hilliard. Yeah. Um. So Pete, meanwhile, calls the police to also head to that location. All right. So we cut to the house, and Morrison should have been out of there by now. Right. But instead, him and his wife are still packing. The yeah, they're still arguing in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, um, and he gets super domestic violent, like verbally. Yeah, he doesn't hit her or anything. No, no, but he's he, shouting verbally, at her. He's like, "No, listen." 
you listen. You know, it's like he's like just you horribly yelling at her to the point where she cries, and he. And then he's like, "Honey, honey, 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 I'm no, so sorry. I'm so I didn't mean sorry. It. You know, you know this happens. I'm so sorry." And she's like trying to get him help, trying to convince him yeah. to go to a doctor, or go to a, like a neurosurgeon. But he don't wanna. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with me. He's yeah. The, he, that's but, his like his basically his go-to line. Yeah. But they they basically pack up the car and leave. Mm-hmm. And then we cut right to Hilliard and Mac coming up to the front door. Right. And um, he's expertly, like, Kevin McAllister this place. Yeah. So, yeah, they walk in and they hit a tripwire, which causes a tape recording to start saying, uh, oh, by the way, I have you now. Yeah. There's a there's a bomb. It's going to go off in X time. Also, there's a motion detector, so if you move, it goes off anyway. So I've given you two minutes to, to think about yeah. what you've done. Instead of just... What? Instead of just blowing you up now. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so MacGyver, uh, like it's, a, it's an infrared detector, so that's an important thing about this motion detection system. Is that if you're moving slow enough, it doesn't pick up on it? Well, th- there's that. Um, but it's, it's more in the sense that you can distract it with heat. Right. So MacGyver has Hilliard take the lampshade off of a lamp that's nearby. Like, it's a really tall lamp. Yeah. It's, like, tall, narrow. Yeah. Um, so then Hilliard slowly brings it up to the detector, and they turn it on so that it basically blind it in the sense that the whole room would go white. Yeah. Uh, but why wouldn't that set off the bomb? Like, I don't know. The, doesn't the motion detector detect that things have changed in the room? Yeah. The, it basically is looking to see that the, there's a color value change in the room. And there would be a significant one if you jammed a light right up against it. And turned it on, yeah. and it would completely go away. Yeah. I agree. Um, it would almost make more sense for them to slowly crawl out of the house. Yeah, I mean, they've if, got two if minutes. If moving slowly doesn't set it off, then leave. Uh, so MacGyver gets, has the ability to get to the bomb, and he just kind of kind of just goes, yeah, and he yanks a bunch of wires. Yeah. Um, and I was like thinking about this is his back in his bomb defusal days. Yeah. This is this is how he survived all those bombs in yeah. Vietnam. Just, all of them are just like literally every single one was on the last second. It is he yanks the wires <laughs> it's out. Like I don't know what to do. Yank. <laughs> oh, there's like a bunch of green. <laughs> <laughs> there's a green one. <laughs> really more of a three-wire kind of guy. <laughs> uh, so Peter arrives with the police, and they basically find, uh, I'll use a term that they used in Minority Report, an orgy of evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these letters that she wrote to Hilliard hospitals and, and Hilliard. And, and the roadmaps to Oregon and all these different things about where they're going to go in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh. I think they're probably going to work. <laughs> I have a funny feeling. Uh, and uh, all the, the mail, again, like the letters from, to Hilliard have not been opened. They've just been returned to sendered. Right. Because uh, she has the wrong address. Yeah. <laughs> all this time. The only thing that'll be hanging from that oak tree is you. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> oh, return to sender. Uh but uh, so since they're going to Oregon, they basically just start setting up roadblocks north uh, of where they are right. to stop in every car. And then they announce it over the radio. No, that would be silly. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Steve and Marie pull over at a payphone, 
at like a rest stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, I guess, staying ahead of the cops. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's freaking out because he's driving like a madman. Yeah, yeah. Especially once like they he sees the roadblock and he just turns around and he's just stone faced, not listening to her when she's talking to him. Yeah. Uh, and so when he goes to make the phone call, he she like starts searching his bag and finds the anthrax. Right. And so it's like, God, don't it's touch it. Like, do you know it. what this is? <laughs> Everyone handles it so violently. Yeah. What is this? They're shaking it yeah. in front of his face. Like, yeah. <laughs> the cap comes off. He's <laughs> just like fumbling with it in the <laughs> oh, air. I oh, oh, oh. Uh, got it. Oh, there got it. Go. Okay. Cap's back on. Look, <laughs> I'm cap's sure. back on. I'm sure. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so, anthrax in movies is always like white powder. But yeah, it's like right? a bacteria. In yeah, a this, but this is like some red, red, red stuff. It's bad. Yeah. It's red. Yeah. Uh, so Steve basically asks the uh, his buyers to come and pick him up in a helicopter. Yeah, and he, without seeing it, he assumes that the sign for a nearby summer camp would be a perfect place for them to land a helicopter. Yeah, perfectly so, discreet. So he's just like, oh, there's there's a summer camp near here. Meet me there with a helicopter. But he mm-hmm. doesn't say like what it's called <laughs> like it's the hidden point summer camp like yeah. he just says there's the summer camp near where i'm talking to you come you, here it sounds like this <laughs> <laughs> listen listen i'm holding this up towards the summer camp so just cross check it with your wildlife follow the bank. sounds of children yeah so then yeah marie approaches him with the violin starts shouting at him and then without taking the car he just runs off yeah he just runs off uh so, uh, but he took the anthrax. He took the anthrax. Yeah, so that's the important thing. Uh, so Marie calls MacGyver. Also, we should mention we we mentioned it the first time, but he's constantly like breaking down and grabbing his head like it's yeah, yeah, in yeah, pain. Yeah. Like that's been happening on and off throughout his performance here. And we're about to get an explanation. Yeah. Uh, so Marie calls MacGyver, or she said she calls because MacGyver arrives. She says, "I didn't know who else to call." But I assume she called the police first. I would hope so. Um, and the police, as a result, contacted MacGyver? Yeah. Because how would she call him? Yeah. You know, like, she has no way of getting in touch with him. Uh, I don't know. Tommy Giordano just, like, pocket-dialed <laughs> Pete's desk. <laughs> like, Tommy Giordano's some... calling for you? <laughs> the, you, know, you know the main person of this plot that we're talking about? He's <laughs> on the phone right He's now. He's on the phone right now. That happened in this episode also. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, have we mentioned what MacGyver's wearing in this episode? Oh no! What I he's wearing like a ruffled shirt, like a white ruffled shirt under a black leather jacket. Oh, okay. <laughs> it yeah, just yeah, looks yeah. like he's like a French dandy wearing a leather jacket <laughs> over the top of it. It's like, what are you doing? But uh, my favorite line in this whole episode is about to <laughs> come up. Uh, um. Uh, everybody shows up basically. Yeah, Pete, yeah. MacGyver, even even Cosby's here, mm-hmm. and, and Hilliard obviously. Um, they all show up, and Cosby's freaking out about the helicopter because he doesn't want it to blow the anthrax. Right, because uh, the, the, the pressure change. Yeah, because uh, even though it's a pressurized or somewhat pressurized cabin, um, it's still there's still a pressure drop. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> MacGyver just wanders out of the shot <laughs> and then suddenly like they're all arguing about the next course of action and a guy just comes in and he's like hey that guy said you'd pay for my bike 500 bucks <laughs> and Pete's like 
what? And it just cuts what to bike? MacGyver driving a motorcycle out of the back of a uh, out of the back of a pickup truck mm, it's like and a into the bike, woods. Yeah. But I just I just love that line. Like you know they don't set it up at all. It's just like, hey, that guy said you'd pay for my bike. <laughs> um, interesting side note that the biker is this guy named Dan Shia, and he's a stuntman. Sounds familiar. He's a he's a he's a pretty famous st- hardworking stuntman and stunt coordinator for a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so and and I just thought it was like I was like. I was just, you know, I didn't look up people yeah. and, try, and try to see. I was like, oh, this guy's got a lot of credits. Um, and, yeah, so he, he's actually a profen- professional stuntman. I wonder if he's the one who actually drove the motorcycle out of the I, truck. I'm, I'm probably sure that he was. Yeah. I didn't recall seeing him as a stunt coordinator at all for this show. Yeah, it's pretty uh, much just been Vince Dedrick. Yeah, but uh, he was also, like, big on, uh, like, Stargate and stuff. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so MacGyver is now, like, dirt biking down a trail – um, which is funny because like uh, uh, the next this next season we're gonna get more dirt biking down mountain trails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he's he's just trying to catch up to Steve, who's on foot. Right. Um, meanwhile, Marie is trying to talk to Hilliard about what's wrong with Steve. That Hilliard is convinced that he recovered from his injury, which yeah. he did, but apparently like, like from the, from the outside, it seems like he's recovered from. Yeah. It. Um, inside, that Marie is convinced that. His brain might have some scarring. Yeah, that he he has lesions on his brain from uh, from scar tissue that healed improperly, mm-hmm. and she has all these neurosurgeons that she's been in contact with that think that they can do something about it, but she yeah. can't convince him to go to them or or to pay for it, basically. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean it's gonna be expensive. Yeah. Uh, so as uh, Steve reaches the rendezvous. Uh, MacGyver is forced to stop from a tree that's on the road. Yeah, on the he road. basically wipes out at the last second. He yeah. like crashes into a but, tree. But then he like he, he just go, makes a ramp in like two seconds. He just makes a ramp, and but it's like just walk it around the tree, dude. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of room on either side of this tree. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like this like was an over over overly uh, difficult easy situation to, to solve. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I can't I can't speak. Uh, but so, it, he just makes a rant. Yeah. So then this helicopter is landing at the at the summer camp, and Steve already seems pretty suspicious of these guys. He's like yeah. hiding behind a tree. He doesn't well, want to come out in the open. He thinks they're going to shoot him from there. Yeah. He he's like proning across the ground, like yeah. on his stomach, just like wiggling himself yeah. closer and closer to the helicopter. Like, what is he doing? He is out of his mind. Yeah. And he wants them to just set the cash down, mm-hmm. and then he's going to drop the virus for them to pick up. Yeah. Uh, and they show him the case full of money, and it looks legit. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, like, just, like, tens on top of, like, like fake paper or yeah. something like that. But it could have just been a bomb in a briefcase. Yeah. Uh-huh. He disguised C4 as, as one yeah. his $10 bill or something. Yeah, and then Steve has the, the anthrax in a fanny pack. <laughs> I love the 80s. <laughs> uh yeah, so he says, oh, and here's, here's a gift, a fanny pack. It's like, yeah. oh, sweet. Yeah, they're like, oh, thanks. I thought there was, like, something more to that. No, he's literally saying, here's a fanny pack as a gift. Yeah. Um, so as they – and it seems like the whole deal goes off without a hitch because they just kind of like, all right, they turn around, they start walking away, and then all of a sudden they just go, turn around, surprise, shoot bam. Him. <laughs> and and uh, he just sort of rolls over mm-hmm. and stops moving on the ground. Yeah. And then MacGyver is trying to be discreet, so he's rolling the motorcycle down to the helicopter. Right, right. Um, and he gets rope yeah, from, from... It's like hanging in a tree or something. Yeah, from a tire swing. Yeah. And this is the most ridiculous thing 
I don't quite understand what happens here. Well, he lassos the he la- steering prop. Yeah, he, he la- lassos the tail rotor. It just kind of like, eh, and he yanks it right off the helicopter. <laughs> like it's not bolted on or anything. <laughs> it's like, what? I, I thought it was just going to like wrap around it and yeah, just like. Yeah, and just break. Yeah. Yeah. But like, instead he just pulls it off like it was just Legoed to the side <laughs> of his helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, gosh, I hope it's on more sturdy than that. Yeah. And like you get all, like a strong tailwind, and your all the whole helicopter just falls well, apart. And plus, it's spinning at like who knows how many RPMs. It would go. <laughs> it just, and it just, just flies like, off. It just like rolls down and it's just like cuts a MacGyver. Murderous ninja star. <laughs> yeah, it's like cuts MacGyver in two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that doesn't happen. It just comes off. But the uh, bad guys get out of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. MacGyver like snags the anthrax bag like he's like he's mugging a woman. <laughs> he just. <laughs> grabs their purse and uh they're shooting at him as he's driving away but he then he crashes the bike again yeah yeah because they hit they hit they hit the motorcycle and uh and so he's just kind of hiding yeah and he's got like a i think he finds a boat oar somehow yeah um and he boat oars them to death <laughs> well but <laughs> before that um steve just tackles the both of them because you think he's dead and he kind of comes right. to um, and he just tackles the two bad guys, and then that's when MacGyver kind of As soon as they out. get up, he's just like, crack, crack. All right, you guys aren't yeah. moving. But then uh, Steve now pulls a gun on MacGyver. Which makes no sense. That's a totally pointless. Like, you already turned on the bad guys. Mm-hmm. You're not getting any money. Yeah. What, what do you think is going to happen now? Yeah. Um, but but MacGyver cool. talks him down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's basically the end of that story. We come back for the, the denouement of... Yeah. Um, Steve gets magical post-traumatic stress surgery. Yeah, and he's cured. Yeah, it, it's. It, I'm assuming it's like a month later. Right, and then the commander shows up to apologize for for not, being a jerk. Yeah, but he, then, as if to make it all better, his line from now on, I'll be reading my own mail. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What does that I'm even gonna mean? I'm going to dishonorably discharge my secretary <laughs> for like, returning all your letters. You haven't been reading your mail? <laughs> How many overdue bills do you have? Yeah, I'll be reading my own mail from now on. I was like, wow, that makes it all better. Yeah. Thank you for that. I was so I was so worried that you would never read your mail. He's got all these birthday cards and yeah. thank you cards and piles. No one remembers me on my birthday, apparently. <laughs> what about these letters? I don't have time for that. I don't stuff. have time. Return to sender. <laughs> That's not even how return to sender works. Return to sender is something that the post office stamps when an address isn't viable. Yeah. It's not usually like you stamp return to sender and then put it back in the mailbox. That's what I do, actually. Do you? Yeah. At work, um, when we get, we get a lot of misdelivered mail because our office used to be like five other places before it was ours. Yeah. Um, and we get a lot, sometimes we get like, like government, like documents about like the business tax and all that stuff. Oh, okay. So I just return to sender. And what I usually do is I black out the regular address. Oh, okay. So it has no choice, but to, to get back to the post office. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all that unusual, oh, okay. but it is unusual that you just never open your mail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the, that's the end of this episode. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's a good episode. Um, yeah. there's, there's not much in terms of like set pieces or anything like that. It's an interesting character study, mm-hmm. but um, well, there's really not much to it. Yeah, I, I kind of like, I don't know if I've had this discussion about Ant-Man 
before. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know uh-huh. if I brought it up ever on the show. So it's just a kind of quick, weird little aside. Ant-Man, for those who haven't seen it, uh, spoiler alert, the, the villain of the story is suffering from a mental illness. Right. And it, as a result of doing the experiments. Right. It's not that he's inherently evil or bad. And maybe he was a little bit. Like, maybe he was, like, greedy and ambitious. Sure, sure. But the mental, the mental stress of what he's been going through is actually altered his brain chemistry, and he is doing things he wouldn't rationally do. Yeah. And and then they just kill him. I was like, dude, that's a really harsh punishment for something that's really not totally his fault. Yeah. Like, he's got a problem, and yeah. he needs help. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really unique take on a villain that I, I don't think I've ever seen before. I, I've definitely seen it before. But, yeah. And, and I think a, a, in a lot of the cases that that's what ends up happening is that they just end up killing the person because it's like, well, it's the brain. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. He was a crazy person. We had to put him down. Yeah. But this, this is like kind of, so this made me think like, it's like, oh man, that, that reminded me of like how I wish they would have handled it. Like not so much that he just gets away with it, but like he needs help. He needs treatment. Yeah. There are things that can be done for him. Uh, and so I felt like I really felt something for Steve in this, in the sense right. that. But I also feel like the, the act five here is sort of an oversimplification of like, yeah. Oh, well, brain we, surgery we took the thing out. So you're fine now. It's like, easy. It's not brain surgery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a good episode. Um, I, I really like that Stephen Forrest was in it, and even though he's just playing a minor, random character that we'll never see again. But yeah, um, I also like that the Phoenix is just deep into all kinds of crazy research, including yeah. very deadly viruses, as we've seen before with Killzone. Yeah. And that they're not trying to cure it. They're just trying to detect it faster. Mm-hmm. Like, it all, <laughs> I almost thought it would have been funny to have, like, a scene where he's like, like, watch. Here. Sniff this. <laughs> and then he's like, just waves the thing in front of him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that was anthrax. <laughs> I could tell I could tell from this readout that you... I can tell from my, my eyeballs bleeding. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, ordinarily, we'd have to wait eight minutes for your face to start coming apart. But right now, I can tell immediately that you've been poisoned with anthrax. <laughs> Well, it doesn't like... really solve the problem, does it, Cos? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you're detecting it early, but... Uh, yeah, early detection isn't really going to help much. Not in this case. But everyone, you know, should see a doctor. Early yeah. detection is really the best prevention. They should also, like, if there is some kind of an antidote or treatment, which he claims that without treatment there's an 80% fatality rate, mm-hmm. so there must be some kind of a treatment. Right. Every single character should have been provided treatment. For the rest yeah. of this episode. Like, yeah. you have this on your person in case this anthrax case bursts open. But then, it seems like Pete misunderstands how anthrax works. Mm-hmm. And so far as, like, he makes the point that, oh, well, you know, if this gets out there, then it's like the plague. And it's just going to start spreading on its own in the atmosphere. And it's like, that's not really how it works. Like, yeah. It doesn't, it can't just self-replicate to the point of, like, destroying humanity. Because there is anthrax in the wild. Like, that's where it yeah. came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, I mean, this is a bad strain, and it would probably kill a lot of people, but you could eventually contain it. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in the movie Outbreak, they had contained it. Yeah. Like, the, the, the people were dying, and it was really sad, and they were trying to figure out a way to help them, but they had contained the spread yeah. of this really horrible virus. Yeah. So it's possible. Yeah, it's not as bad as like contagion, mm-hmm. which is like a significantly more catchable virus in that movie. 
but yeah, I think that's about it for this mm-hmm. one. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us uh, at Opening Gambit on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast, or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 4, Episode 19, Unfinished Business. That's the finale, right? That's the finale. It, it must Season be a really finale. exciting episode. They wouldn't do like a clip show not, for a finale. Not for a finale. No, definitely Come not. on. So... It's probably going to be, like, mind-blowing. Yeah. So get ready, folks. Set your podcasts to stun. Thank you for listening. Bye.